Thank you, gentlemen. Open your Bibles again to 2 Samuel chapter 12 and uh, mark your Bible there. It will be about 10 minutes uh, before we go back to the Scripture, but I want you to have it marked. I'm preaching on the subject uh, this evening. God's judgments are not always obvious. I wish tonight that you could uh, see my heart in uh, preaching the message I preach not at all with a, as an attitude of uh, judgment uh, or harshness, though I uh, believe that preaching should be given with fervor. I want us to understand tonight that uh, though the world has dismissed sin, they've just dismissed it. God hasn't. And I want you to hear the message. God's judgments are not always obvious. Heavenly Father, you know my heart tonight. And Lord, I actually hurt for those that have chosen to go into a life of sin. And sometimes thinking because there has not been a great and obvious judgment for their sin that you too are overlooking that behavior. I pray that you'd help us as we look into your word tonight to receive the truth, to receive the warning. I pray that children, I pray that teenagers will pay attention to the preaching of the message tonight. I ask you, Lord, to help me to preach with a obvious presence of the Holy Spirit and I pray that I can preach in such a way that attention will be given to the truth. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. The big and obvious to all judgments of God get our attention. It is the big and obvious to all judgments that certainly bring a quick fear and respect of God. Often when big and obvious judgments of God do not happen after sin, we are sometimes led to think that God has overlooked sinful behavior. The truth is God does not overlook sin. And we do reap what we sow and sin does have a consequence. Without a doubt, our God is a God of love and mercy and grace. The song they just sang is the truth for all of us, and I'm thankful for the grace and the mercy of God. Sometimes we take advantage of the grace and mercy of God to the place that we think we should never have to suffer any consequence for sinful behavior. But the Bible does still say to be sure that your sin We'll find you out. Some of God's judgments in the Bible were very big and they were obvious to everyone. For example, when God judged the world with the flood, that was an obvious judgment. It is known today in the days of Noah and the wickedness of man thinking and devising every way they could to be evil and to be rebellious against the Lord. God judged the world with a worldwide flood. Nobody survived. Only those that were in the ark, everyone else died as a result of the flood. 
Sodom and Gomorrah was one of those big judgments. When the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah were destroyed because of the sin of sodomy. And we know that God rained fire and brimstone upon those cities because of that sin. When Jonah went into Nineveh, he preached and he told the people, in 40 days you're going to be judged. No doubt they thought of Noah and his day in the flood that destroyed mankind. Perhaps they knew of the judgment that came to Sodom and Gomorrah. And as a result of the message that Jonah preached, the Bible said that they repented in sackcloth and ashes. God heard their repentance and judgment did not come, but revival came in its place. It was because of the big and obvious judgments that Nineveh turned to God. When David numbered the people against the will of God, thousands lost their lives and it was an obvious judgment of the Lord. When Korah rebelled against Moses and led others to rebel against Moses, the earth opened up and swallowed them. It was an open, it was a public, it was an obvious judgment of God. When Ananias and Sapphira lied to the Holy Ghost, and of course they lied to the men of God, and the men of God said, you've not lied to us, you've lied to the Holy Ghost. And uh, one after the other they died in the church, and one was carried out, and while they carried the one out, uh, the other came in with the same lie. And God judged them, and that is known, that judgment of the New Testament. However, most of God's judgments of sin are not known by others. Because they are not known, sometimes we are led to think that there are no consequences or judgments for small sin. But because God's judgments are not always big and obvious does not mean that judgment does not exist. And tonight, I don't want young people to think, I don't want children to think, in fact, we as adults cannot be convinced by the world to think because God has not judged a particular behavior as we may think he should, that you can just get away with sin and live any way you want in public or private. If you'll look at the text in this story here, in 2 Samuel chapter 12, I want you to see tonight that though God's judgments are not always obvious to everyone, I want us to walk through the behavior and the sin of King David. Now up to this point, David of course has stayed home in a time when kings go forth to battle. And David, while he was home, he looked upon a woman that was bathing and the Bible said he lusted after her. Not only did he lust after her, he had her brought to him. He found out that she was already married. I said he found out she was already married. It's sad, the immorality of our nation today. And he knew better than to take this woman. He too was married and he took the woman and he committed adultery with her. Now to cover up his sin, he had her husband to come home from battle. And sin, as it always does, has a plan 
or a plan of escape that never works. Now hear what I'm telling you tonight. Sin always has a plan of escape that never works. And so he brought Uriah home. He said, Uriah, uh, you come home and rest and you stay with your wife. And, and he expected Uriah to come and to stay with his wife. But Uriah, knowing that it was a time of battle and he should not be at home, he would not go in his own house. He slept outside and uh, until it was time to go forth or go back to battle. David was angry with that, and so he said uh, to the captain, he said, I want Uriah uh, to be put on the front line of the hottest part of the battle. And he did, and sin's exit plan number two seemed to work, but sin's exit plan never works. And Uriah killed, and everything seemed to be covered and okay. As I understand the scripture, there was about a year of time between David's sin and the, and the prayer of confession of Psalm number 51. Now for a while it seemed that the sin was covered and there would be no judgment. But God said to Nathan, I want you to visit King David and I want you to tell him a story. Let's read it. And the Lord sent Nathan unto David, and he came unto him and said unto him, there, went, uh, there were two men in one city, the one rich and the other poor. The rich man had exceeding many flocks and herds, but the poor man had nothing save one little ewe lamb, which he had bought and nourished up, and it grew up together with him. Now this is a family pet. Did you notice that a while ago we were reading that together with him and with his children and it did eat of his own meat. It begged when he was eating the lamb like your little dog does begged for a bite of food. I would never give our little dog a bite of food. Maybe two or three but anyway. And drank of his own cup and lay in his bosom and was unto him as a daughter. So she brought great drama to the house as well. I think that's what that means. <laughs> so this, this is not a lamb that's on the outside. This is a pet. The family has this pet inside. And there came a traveler unto the rich man. And he spared to take of his own flock and of his own herd to dress for the wayfaring man that was coming to him. But took the poor man's lamb and dressed it for that man that was come to him. I want you to notice David's anger was greatly kindled. Yours would too. If I said somebody came and took your pet, took your dog or your, I don't know if it would be wrong for a cat or not, but, but, uh, but, 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 took your, but took your family pet and killed it. David's anger was greatly kindled against the man And he said to Nathan, as the Lord liveth, the man that hath done this thing shall surely die. That's typically our judgment of another's sins. David's not thinking of himself. David is judging another. Verse number 6, And he shall restore the lamb fourfold, because he did this thing, and because he had no pity. 
verse 7. What a convicting, what a powerful verse. And Nathan said to David, Thou art the man. You're the one that did this, David. Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, I anointed thee king over Israel. I delivered thee out of the hand of Saul. I gave thee thy master's house and thy master's wives into thy bosom and gave thee the house of Israel and of Judah. And if that had been too little, if that had been too little, I would moreover have given unto thee such and such things. Wherefore hast thou despised the commandment of the Lord to do evil in his sight? Thou hast killed Uriah the Hittite with the sword and hast taken his wife to be thy wife and hast slain him with the sword of the children of Ammon. Now therefore the sword shall never depart from thine house. Because thou hast despised me and hast taken the wife of Uriah the Hittite to be thy wife. Thus saith the Lord, Behold, I will raise up evil against thee out of thine house. And I will take thy wives before thine eyes and give them unto thy neighbor. And he shall lie with thy wives in the sight of this son. For thou didst it secretly. But I will do this thing before all Israel and before the son. And David said unto Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. And Nathan said unto David, The Lord also hath put away thy sin. Thou shalt not die. Now David's judgment was death. That's what he recommended. But God said, No, I'm not going to take your life. But in verse 14, Howbeit because this deed thou hast given great occasion to the enemies of the Lord to blaspheme. The child also that is born unto thee shall surely die. Now David sinned a great sin as recorded in this passage. The judgment of God was not small, though it was not great or like other judgments were. But I want us tonight to see the little results of David's sin. The small penalties that few would ever see in others. But they are as real and difficult and painful as the judgments are obvious to all. I want you to take your Bibles and go to Psalm number 51. I want us to take just a few minutes and walk through this psalm. You see, because the judgments of God are not always public, not always big, not always obvious. By the way, I'll let God judge his own. I always want to plead mercy and grace on behalf of others. Always do. I want to plead mercy and grace. I never want to pronounce a judgment. I'll let God do that. But I want you to see some of the things that were not seen publicly. Though this prayer is recorded and later known publicly, and we read it and know it publicly, David reveals some of the secret things he had to deal with. Now I'm going to say this at the end of the message. I'll say it now. Let, let, let me say tonight, God doesn't want you to carry the burdens of sin. There's no need for that. We need to put our sin away, confess, forsake our sin, and live a clean and happy and a joyful life. That's what God wants for all of us. God wants that. I desire that. We ought to desire that for one another. We ought to lift the fallen, not step on the fallen. 
We ought to pray for the fallen, not discourage those that have gone into sin while we sometimes desire to be satisfied with a public and big judgment in someone else's life. What we ought to be pleading is for God's grace and for their repentance so they can come to the place of joy and gladness in their life. I want to say tonight, regardless of what the world may say, regardless of what they may sing, regardless of what they may talk about, sin has a consequence, and it's never enjoyable. David comes a year later, and he begins to confess his sin, and he says this, Have mercy upon me, O God. According to thy loving kindness, according unto the multitude of thy tender mercies, Blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from mine iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. Though no one else saw it, because of David's sin, he felt dirty. He felt unclean. He carried the feeling of guilty. Now listen to me, David may have gone on in his work and duty as a king and David may appear that everything is all right but inside his sin had caused him to feel dirty and that's what sin always does. It caused him to carry guilt. It caused him to carry a feeling of uncleanness. There's no need for me to add to a person's grief for sin. For sin carries its own grief. It carries its own shame. It carries its own guilt. And as David confessed his sin, David is saying, Lord, I just want to be clean Though no one else saw it, David felt it, he experienced it, he carried the dirt, the uncleanness, and the guilt of sin. David said, I acknowledge my transgressions, and my sin is ever before me. As others laugh and play and rejoice in the day, my thoughts are on my sin. As others sleep at night, my mind is on my sin. What I've done to this woman, what I've done to this man, what I've done to this family, the shame that I've brought to this nation, the shame that I've brought to God. While others are thinking about the joys of life, I'm thinking about my sin. God, I acknowledge my transgression and my sin is ever before me. May I say tonight, we live in a world that seems to be happy with their sin, but they're not. Sin carries a terrible shame, a terrible weight, a terrible burden. May I say tonight, all of us have dealt with sin. All of us know what it's like to have said something we should not have said. While others have forgotten it, we've gone away thinking, I wish I could take that back. Trying to forget it and the reminder of sin. I want to tell you something. The devil is a deceiver. He is a liar. And sin never satisfies. 
Sin never satisfies. It never brings joy. The will of God brings joy. It never brings happiness. The will of God brings happiness. There is work and toil and obedience to God, but that results in joy and gladness. Oh, but sin, it brings a heavy weight of burden. It brings a feeling of dirt and guilt. Now, no one else saw it, but as David lay in his bed at night, he felt it. He said, against thee and the only have I sinned and done this evil in thy sight. No doubt for a year he had tried to find sin's exit and had tried to justify his sin, but he could not justify it. He could not get rid of it. And the only way to get rid of sin's guilt and sin's payment is confess it to God, forsake it before God, plead the mercy and grace of God and the loving kindness of God. I'm thankful for his thanksgiving, for his forgiveness. I'm thankful for his mercy and his grace and may I say tonight there's no need for folks to go to bed at night carrying the guilt of sin when you can confess and forsake that sin before God that thou mightest be justified when thou speakest and be clear when thou judgest behold I was shapen in iniquity and in sin did my mother conceive me look at these words verse number 6 but thou desirest Truth in the inward parts. David recognizes there is a difference in what you think about me and what God knows about me. What others thought of David may have been different than what David knew about himself as he was alone or as he went to bed at night. He realized, I'm, I'm living a lie. My happiness is false. My joy is false. And Lord, I know what you desire. You desire truth on the inward parts. We may not see this in others, but that's what sin does. You may say, well, God ought to judge them for this behavior. And God ought to judge this whole world. Let me tell you something. The judgment of sin is present everywhere in our world today. We've never had a generation that have had more things and ability of places to go and things to enjoy and the things to, uh, to be happy about in life. And yet our world is filled with anger and our world is filled with bitterness. Our world is filled with turmoil. You know why? That is the consequence of sin. And in the hidden part, Thou shalt make me to know wisdom. Purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Make me to hear joy and gladness, that the bones which thou hast broken may rejoice. David could not even enjoy the joy of others. You know, one of the things I enjoy about being a grandfather is the joy of grandchildren. To watch them enjoy life. To watch them play and to watch them grow up. To hear them recite a poem or a Bible verse or to hear them share of 
their grades or an award they received in school to hear them enjoy life. As grandparents, we enjoy our, the enjoyment of our children and our grandchildren enjoying life. David came to the place that sin had so wrecked his joy that he didn't enjoy seeing others enjoy life. That's what sin does. God does not always judge with the flood. God does not always judge with fire. God does not always judge with a multitude of deaths. God does not always open up the earth and swallow up those that have rebelled against God. But I'll tell you tonight, there is a consequence of sin. We do reap what we've sown. And I want to tell you tonight, our minds, our hearts, our souls, our spirit cannot be right when we're carrying sin in our life. But the bones I was broken may rejoice. A broken bone is painful, isn't it? No matter how small it may be, no matter where it is, I mean, it seems like when, a, when, when there's a broken bone uh, that, that the whole body is affected by that. That's how David described. By the way, Satan advertised sin the opposite of what sin paid in David's life. Don't you believe the advertisement of Hollywood? Don't you believe the advertisement of the internet? Don't you believe the advertisement of television putting a bunch of boys and a bunch of girls together in a house living like they're having fun, making smart aleck cracks about one another and laughing about immorality and laughing about God. They may, they may look, make it look like it's fun, but this, my friend, is a reality of sin. I've dealt with enough people to know I remember remember one night I was in my office in Hazard. This would have been in 1987 or 8, somewhere right in there. A man came to my office that had come to church and he came and he said, I wish so badly I could be saved. And I said, sir, you can be saved if you receive Christ as your Savior. And he told me that night, he said, but years ago I was involved in a murder and he began to pour his heart out. He said, nobody knows the anguish that I live with day and night and the the courts had acquitted him of the crime, but he knew he was guilty. And some say he got away with his sin. He got away with his crime, but he didn't. There's no such thing. Somebody's got to stand up here sometime and say, wait a minute, folks, Satan is a liar. Sin has false advertisement. It's not true. Don't listen to the world. Don't listen to the lies about sin. Verse 9, hide thy face from my sins and blot out mine iniquities. Notice the shame that David experiences because of his sin. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me, a right spirit within. Spirit is how we fellowship with one another. Our spirit is how we fellowship with God. In fact, he goes into the next verse saying, Cast me not away from thy presence and take not that Holy Spirit from me. Our spirit bears witness with the Holy Spirit that we are the children of God. The Bible says, and he said, All of that is broken. All of that is hurting because of sin. Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation. And uphold me with thy free spirit. He wanted to enjoy being a child of God again. 
as a boy, I, I loved my father so much. In fact, it was not as difficult for me to get a whipping as it was for me to know I disappointed my dad. For my dad to say to me that he was disappointed in me, it broke my heart. But to have the wrongs made right and to know I could be in the presence of my father, to feel his embrace, to know that everything was all right between us. That's what the psalmist is saying. Lord, I'd like to enjoy being in your presence again. I'd like to come without shame and dirt. I'd like to come without feeling the burden of guilt. Oh God, my sin, it wasn't worth it. Don't you, don't you think tonight because God didn't judge openly that sin is not judged, there's a consequence of sin. Then will I teach transgressors thy ways, and sinners shall be converted unto thee. Deliver me from blood guiltiness, O God, thou God of my salvation. Thank God tonight for forgiveness and cleansing. I, I'm, I'm, I'm out of time. I'm, I'm careful about time. But let me, let me take five minutes and I'll finish. The time of the Lord's Supper, which we'll be doing here in just a few weeks, the time of the Lord's Supper was a time of examination. And here's what God said. He said, if you'll judge yourself, then I won't have to judge you. May I say, the consequence of sin always comes. Folks, there, there is a time between God saying to us, judge yourself so I don't have to judge you. Take care of the sin so you don't come to this place. You know what God is saying? I don't want to punish you. I don't want to. I don't delight in that. I delight in blessing you. I, I delight in your joy. I delight in your gladness. 1 John 1, 9, the Bible says, If we confess our sin, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. With all of the advertisement of the world, the nakedness of the summertime, the flaunting of sin and immorality, somebody had to say tonight, wait a minute, it's not near as fun as they say it is. It, it, it doesn't pay with the benefits they say it pays. David tells us, one night, one week was not worth what he had to pay for sin. I want to say tonight we have a God that loves us as much as you love your children, as much as you love your grandchildren, as much as you would say to a child that's playing and doing something that's dangerous and say to them, oh, don't do that, or be careful, or don't go there, or stop. God has to have a voice that says, wait a minute, don't think sin goes unpunished. Don't live in sin. Live clean because that's where joy and that's where gladness is. Stand with me tonight, if you will, Heavenly Father.